Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. Mark chapter 9. You guys are trained well. You honor the Word of God. Didn't even have to tell you to remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Are you thankful for Calvary Christian Center? I am too. I'm thankful to be here today. Mark chapter 9, Jesus says in verse 16, And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Church folk arguing. That wouldn't happen at this church. That's church down the road. Not at this church. Church folk was arguing with one another. Verse 17, and the Bible said that someone from the crowd answered him and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you. Somebody say, he brought him to Jesus. You can take me down just a tad in these monitors, just a little bit. They're screaming at me. I talk loud enough. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. Now imagine, I like to put myself inside of a text. So parents, imagine that this was your son. This was your daughter that you were dealing with. Throwing himself down, foaming at the mouth, becoming rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able to. And he answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to the boy. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? In other words, how long you been putting up with this thing? How long you been dealing with this? How long you been fighting this fight? How long you been walking this journey? You've been dealing with this for far too long. How long, Daddy? I want you to identify how long you've been putting up with this devil because you don't have to put up with him anymore as long as I'm here. I'm, I got a message for somebody and I'm not even into my message. You've been putting up with this mess for far too long. It's time for you to put your foot down and claim what rightfully belongs to you in the name of Jesus. How long? And he said, I've been dealing with this since he was a child. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Imagine watching your son, having to watch over him every second, not knowing when he'll try to commit suicide. But if you can do anything, Lord, have compassion on us. Love us. Let us feel your love and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can you must not know who you're talking to because all things are possible for the one that believes. Verse 24, immediately the father fell, the father of the child fell, and say this with me, he, what did he do? He cried out and he said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I believe, but as a man, sometimes I struggle. I believe, but as a preacher, sometimes I struggle. I believe, but as a Christian, 
Sometimes I struggle wrapping my faith around something that seems so impossible and I wouldn't want my neighbor to know because I go to church with him every week but if I'm being really honest just with you Jesus I'm struggling in my faith in this season Lord I believe but help me with my unbelief and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together he rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it you mute and deaf spirit I want you to notice in warfare how he called the spirit by name he said I command you come out of him and never enter him again and after crying out and convulsing him terribly it came out and the boy watched though the boy was not alive he was like a corpse so that most of them said Jesus you failed he's dead but just like Jesus always does he can do all things but fail Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose this father prayed one of the most vulnerable simple yet powerful prayers I believe but help me with my unbelief there's something liberating about coming before the presence of God and being honest not for him because he already knows you've been putting the front on for everybody else but to be honest for yourself Lord I believe but help me with my unbelief as we take a closer look at these two words before you're seated I want you to have an understanding of these two words because it's going to be the premise that we build today's message on the first one is I believe a pisteo which is a saving intellectual faith It is the conviction that God exists it is the conviction that Jesus is Messiah in the original Greek context. That's what he said. I believe you're Messiah. How many of you can say, I believe? I believe you are the Messiah. How many of you are convicted that God exists? Come on, wave your hands. I'm Pastor, you don't have to preach to me about that. I'm convinced he exists. But he said, help me with my unbelief, apostia, which means without trust in God. He said, so in other words, I believe you're the healer I'm just struggling believing you're my healer I'm believing you're the way maker I'm just struggling believing you're my way maker I believe you're this I just don't know that you're that for me Lord I believe but help me with my unbelief and I was walking in our sanctuary over in Orlando by the way we got a building now I know you guys know that you've been so generous in giving toward it and we've been in it about four months now and the church has already doubled in four months listen over 350 people already have given their life to Jesus in a matter of four months last week a hundred and thirty people were baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues and 13 children in kids church came out praying in the Holy Ghost matter of fact I'm bragging about it because them two little boys right there that brought that Bible up they started last week and so I am so thankful to be a part of this family but I was in the sanctuary praying not in a cafeteria not out at a park in the tabernacle thank you Jesus and I was walking and praying and I had this word like on the glory of God that the glory of God is not something that falls down, it's something that boils within. And I was so excited to preach this revelation because I thought it was deep. And stepping in the pulpit of 
the greatest preacher in America that can define every Greek and Hebrew word that ever existed can take one sentence out of the Bible and have everybody in the building hanging from the rafters. There's a lot of pressure to come stand in this pulpit. I was like, man, I got to have something deep, something deep for the house, something deep. And I was walking in the sanctuary, and my relationship with God is, is very vulnerable, and there's a lot of question and answer. It's like I'll ask God questions, and then he asks me questions. That's how we communicate. And as I was walking, I heard the Lord say, son, do you trust me? I said, of course, I believe in you. And the Holy Spirit, I felt back in my spirit, said, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, do you trust me? I said, Lord, I trust you. He said, then go show me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I want you to write a message on the difference between faith and trust. And I want you to go to Ormond Beach and preach this message. And when you deliver what I've called you to deliver, watch. I am going to break the bondage of worry off of the people of God. And I'm going to chase this demonic spirit of worry out that has been keeping my people from walking in trust. So today, the sermon title is not something catchy. It's what I spent 30 minutes crying out to God. It's not a sermon title. It's a sermon cry. And it is this. Lord... I trust you. That's simple. Lord, I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you. I've never been in this storm, but I trust you. I've never had to manage this kind of blessing, but I trust you. The storms of life are raging, but I'm choosing to trust you because I will not allow that which is temporal to influence my eternal behavior for one more day devil get under my feet lord i trust you i trust you i know what the evidence says but i trust you i know what the natural says but i trust you i trust you so father we submit this into your hands i have no idea where you're going to take this today this crowd is hungry and lord i know you're ready to feed so, Lord, as always, I pray the prayer that Moses prayed. Teach us your ways that we may know you and that we may find your favor. For it is there that we truly do see your glory. And, Lord, I know you don't need man, but man sure needs you. And I need you today to speak exactly what you want to speak. Nothing that I want to, but everything that you want to. We put our faith, our trust, and our hope in you. In Jesus' name. Will somebody say amen. Before you're seated, will you just, just slap somebody a high five and say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Praise God. I love this house. Are y'all ready for the word this morning? Okay, so let's talk about trust, but let's talk about trust contextually under this idea that faith is a noun and trust is an action. Faith, a lot of times that you see it in Scripture, faith, the majority of the time, is listed as a noun, whether it's in the Greek or the Hebrew. Trust is often listed as both, but mostly as action. Now, if you want to understand trust, this one statement can help you understand it. Trust is the physical evidence of an inward belief system. Trust is the physical evidence of what you inwardly believe. Let's look at Titus chapter 1 and verse 16. The Bible says that they profess to know God. So this is faith in God. How many of you believe in God? But they deny him by their works. 
So they believe that God exists. They show up at church on Sunday morning. They praise and they dance when Pastor John and them are singing, this is what it sounds like. I mean, we love that song. We sing that in Orlando and everybody gets just buck wild. And we dance to that song, but then we go home and we, we curse our own life by negativity out of our mouth because we believe God, but we don't necessarily trust God. Because if you trust God, the profession of your mouth would be filled with words of faith, not words of curse. And the truth is, all of us in this world, we need to re-examine the way that we trust God. Not that you believe God and that you have eternal security, but do you trust Him? Not so that you go to heaven someday, but so that you can bring heaven to earth today. Faith is going to get you there. Trust is going to get Him here. Do you trust Him? And the bride has been under this severe attack the last two years. We believe, but we've responded as if our trust is in worldly systems, not the heavenly kingdom. Because our actions speak louder. So we believe, but our trust says we trust in earthly systems. It's time to trust God once again. And we need to cry out, Lord, I trust you. Somebody say, Lord, I trust you. Okay, so let's get into this. I've done built this thing up enough. All right. Number one, here's what we trust. We're going to talk about fellowship, stewardship, and maturity. That's it today. Very practical, very simple message. Fellowship, stewardship, and maturity. These are ways that you trust the Lord. Number one, I trust his love. Very simple. I trust his love. This is fellowship. The father comes up to Jesus with his son and says, Lord, have compassion. If you have anything, have compassion. This was a cry of intimacy. This was the father saying, Lord, I need to feel your love. I, I, I believe that you exist, but I want to trust your love for me because I, I've learned that I can't vicariously love you through somebody else's faith and trust of you. I can't love you because my mama loved you and I can't love you because my auntie loved you, but I need, I need to feel your love for myself. I need to know what it feels like to have your loving arms wrapped around me. I need to know what it feels like to late in the midnight hour have joy slap me in the face. I need to know what it feels like to have my back against the wall and you come through for me so Lord I can't love you anymore through everybody else's stories I need my own story to tell so the father understood that nothing changes without fellowship the fact that he thought Jesus was the healer didn't change his boy's scenario it wasn't the idea of relationship, it was the engagement of fellowship that brought forth change. And yes, there is a difference between giving your life to Jesus at an altar and fellowshipping with him throughout your life. Now, I mean, look inside of this text because he's not with bad people. It's not like he left bad people to go find Jesus. He's with disciples. That seems to be a good idea, right? They love Jesus. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him heal the sick. They've, they've seen God, Jesus do all of these things. You would think he was inside of the right crowd, but he finally got to a point in his life where he said, listen, I love you all, but I need my own fellowship with Jesus. I need my own intimacy with Jesus. Church, let me tell you, there are, there are places 
that Apostle Rayleigh will never take you. I love him so much, but there are places that he cannot take you. There are places that Pastor John Wilds and this incredible worship team absolutely cannot take you. There are places that there's no preacher, there's nobody on TV, there's no sermon. They will not take you. Absolutely will not take you. At some point in your life, you have to stop just hearing sermons on Sunday and start fellowshipping with God. Look, I didn't come here to beat nobody up, but I did come here to help us grow up. That you've got to fellowship with the Lord throughout the week and not just come to church on Sunday and shout about him but you got to cry out to him through the week Lord I don't just believe you but Lord I trust you and so the daddy said look I'm with disciples I'm with church folk but I gotta get to Jesus because it becomes impossible for those to trust God with their life if they do not trust the love of God enough to spend time with him I'm gonna read this one more time because I need this to sink in before we move forward. It becomes impossible for those to trust God with their life if they do not trust the love of God enough to spend time with Him. You have to know today that Jesus loved you not just away from sin, but Jesus loved you into fellowship. He didn't just love you away from sin, He loved you into fellowship. You've been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. This is why Paul said, when you, if you're going to put anything on, he said, put Jesus on. Because you cannot go before the Father filled with sin. But once you come to Jesus, it's no longer woe is me, but now you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it's the love of God through the Son Jesus that when you put the elder brother on, you can approach the throne of grace boldly. So when you fellowship, you are saying, Jesus, I trust your love because your love did enough for me that even though I'm a mess I can still come before you <laughs> fellowship is saying I trust the love of God somebody say I am the righteousness of God first Corinthians chapter 1 the Bible says God is faithful by whom you were called unto fellowship you were called into fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord God shows his love for us Romans 5 8 that while we were still sinners Christ we love that scripture. Let's live it. Because his death opened two very significant doors for you. His death, as a matter of fact, Jesus is the door. So we don't stop at the cross, we move through the cross. The cross was an entrance, not an ending. We don't stop there. That's why we got folks that have been saved for 25 years and still babies because we stop at the cross as if the cross didn't get us into anything else. But the cross was the access. The cross was the door to righteousness. The cross was the door to sonship. The cross was the door to your future. It was access for you to grow. It was access for you to mature. But you have to fellowship with what the love of the cross purchased for you. So there are two revelations. Paul talks about them in Romans 5. Uh, excuse me, Romans 8. Two revelations. There's a belief system that happened through the death of Jesus and a trust system. There's a belief system and there's a trust system. Romans 8, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 8. The, Romans 8, verse 15. Praise God. Romans 8, verse 15. Two revelations here. The first one, you have received the spirit of adoption. Okay, mark that down in your Bible. Matter of fact, I'm just going to... I'm going to be a little bit old school on this. If you don't have a Bible, 
here at Calvary Christian Center, we would love to give you one. And I know the apostle would love for you to bring your Bible to church because it's very important that in your Bible, see, I'll tell you what I've, what I've done with my Bible. Can I just take a little rabbit trail and get back on this? If you look in this Bible, I've got this Bible, I don't know, six, seven years ago, and the boys don't know this, but I began to write in this Bible as an heirloom piece because I want my boys to see what God spoke to their father someday, so I'm going to give them this. And I'm cool with a phone. I'm just telling you it's nice to have your Bible with you. Amen? You have received the spirit of as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself, there's revelation number one, adoption. But the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, if adoption, here's the transition. Here's the transition, revelation two, then heirs. Heirs of God, so you don't stay at adoption. But you become heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Matter of fact, if you even understood, I don't have time to get into it a lot, but if you understood adoption, not in a Western sense, but adoption in a biblical sense, that adoption doesn't mean that you go something that, and go get something that doesn't belong to you and make it yours. Adoption means that you go get something that was always yours because somebody came and took it. And so when the Bible says that you have the spirit of adoption, it literally just means that Jesus came and got you because you were already his. Yes, even you Gentile, every Jew and every Gentile, you already belong to him. So when you gave your life to Jesus, it was a spirit of adoption coming and claiming back and getting back the son and daughter that already belonged to him because the Bible said that you were created before the foundation of the earth was ever here so you existed inside of God before you ever existed inside of your mother and so when you were born in sin and shaped in its iniquity the spirit of adoption has been calling your name not so that it can bring you to a new home so it can call you back to the home that you've always known this is why your spirit starts to bear witness when God starts moving in a room. This is why folks that don't even know Jesus can come in a room and give their life to Jesus because the eternal nature of God cries out from within you. Okay. Let's move on. Y'all will preach me all day on one point. So adoption. You've got to understand this. Adoption is relationship through salvation. So saved by grace through faith. It is reconnection with whose I am. Whose I am. This is salvation. So when I get saved, I realize my life is not my own. To you, I belong. You're my Abba Father. That's where I belong. Now, heir is fellowship into revelation. So the more I fellowship, the more that is revealed. This is learned only through fellowship. This is reconnection with who I am. So relationship, salvation, is the reconnection with whose I am. Fellowship is reconnecting with who I am. I, I, got, I got a baby. He's about a year and a half. My wife had to run out and get him because he was absolutely pitching a fit. Just pitch and fist. So she had to run and get him. But he's beginning to say, like he says, daddy and mommy and no. <laughs> I tried to get him to learn yes, sir, first. But his, his best word is no. And he says it just like that. No. But he starts saying daddy and mommy. Why? Because as an infant, he begins to recognize 
whose he is. Daddy, mommy, when you get first get saved, it's Savior. Woe is me. Righteousness is filthy as a leper's rags. I'm unworthy. I'm unclean. But your daddy, your daddy, your father, your Abba father, this is when you first get saved. And if you never spend time with him and we don't teach the power of fellowship and daily encounters with Jesus through the Holy Ghost, then you'll be saved 30 years and still thinking you're this sinner and not the righteousness of God. Because... As my child starts to spend time with me, he doesn't just realize whose he is. It's daddy's responsibility to tell him who he is. And so the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you find out who you are. Who you are is not revealed at salvation. Who you are is revealed at fellowship. This is why... Relationship is about who God is and the price he paid to adopt you. While fellowship is an invitation for you to pay a price to discover who God is through you. So what's the price of fellowship? It's real simple. It's called T-I-M-E. Time. Time. Daily encounters with him. This is why we see a lost body of believers. Can I just talk real? transparent we see a lost body of believers we see a bunch of folk that know that they're adopted but don't have the revelation yet that they're heir because you don't move from adoption to, to sonship until you spend time with the son of God and so this is why we have church folk that come to church on Sunday but they act up through the week N not, not in this service in the there's not another one. But it wouldn't be in this service. Have you ever, have you ever, said, have you ever said to yourself, how in the, maybe it's just me, how in the world can they call themselves Christian? And how in the world can they call themselves saved? And they posted, two of y'all said that? Am I the only one? Because I really thought when I wrote this, it would resonate more with some of y'all in the room. How in the world? They go to my church. They sit on the same row as me. I see them in church, and they can't even. They can't say. They didn't even look my. They don't even. How in the world can you call yourself Christian and act like that? I'll tell you. It's very simple. Because they don't understand the power of fellowship yet. Because if they knew how to fellowship, they would know how to act. Because fellowship governs identity, and identity governs behavior. And when we try to modify behavior, we are at our very best religious. But if we modify fellowship, then we are a relational church. You can't change a behavior. Behaviors will not sustain without revelation of why we behave that way. We can shout unity all day long. We can shout love your neighbor all day long. But until we teach fellowship, folks will act up because they don't know who they are. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't act this way. You can act that way when you just get adopted because you just know who you are, but you don't quite know what all this means. But when you know who you are, you don't act a fool. 
So when you see people that act a fool that call themselves Christian, it is not the mandate for you to get upset with them. It is the mandate for you to pray for them that they fall into deeper love with Jesus and deeper fellowship with him because if they spent time with him, they wouldn't act that way. Shout fellowship, shout fellowship. Behavior is the consequence of fellowship. John 17, the Bible says, the glory that you have given me, I've given them. Jesus says, I've given them. That they may be one as we are one. There's the identity shift. I and them, you and me, they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. The love of Christ was never just to save you from sin. It was to save you into the glory of sonship. This is why we don't need deeper sermons. We need deeper fellowship. We need a call back into the body of Christ on what it looks like to early rise in the morning and seek first the face of God. We need a call back to the body of Christ of what it looks like to not just worship corporately on Sunday, but take every corporate encounter into private daily encounters where you can go home and worship in your home and worship in your car. You say, well, pastor, that sounds so simple. Then do it. The attack on the body is not the gathering of the saints. It's the gathering of you in the spirit of God. Because if you gathered with the Spirit of God enough, you would have the mind of God because the Bible says that the Spirit of God takes what is His and brings it down to you and nobody knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you when you fellowship exactly who you are in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I trust His love. So here are some symptoms. I'm going to be, give you symptoms of each of these. Here are symptoms of not trusting love. Insecurity. Identity through accomplishment. You get your identity through accomplishments. Spirit of rejection. Actions are based upon man's approval. You are defined by stuff and you have a fear of the world. This is what it looks like when you don't trust the love of God. Number two, and I'm going to put the last two together. Number two, I trust his place. This is stewardship. This is stewardship. Jesus says, how long have you been dealing with this? Father said, I brought my son to you and I, I trust your position. I trust your place. He had been managing this issue his entire life. Imagine since he was a child, the boy is older now, and he's been managing this issue his entire life. And the father said, today I'm going to stop managing and I'm going to start stewarding. I'm going to steward this very moment. It's kind of like the Lord said to Abram in Genesis 12. He said, I want you to go away from your mama, away from your daddy, away from your kindred folk, and I want you to go to a place that I will show you. I'm not going to show you it yet, but I want you to go there and I will show you. In other words, God said, do you trust me enough to give up tomorrow so you can be faithful with stewarding today? Oh, you know the scripture. Those that are faithful with little, I'll make you a root. Those that are faithful, I'll make you a. Those that are faithful, I'll make you a. Ruler is heir. Ruler is sonship. 
Ruler is authority. So if you are faithful, faithful is what begets authority. So people say, I want authority to get my marriage back. Then be faithful to love your spouse and steward her well today or steward him well today. I want authority to expand my business. Then be faithful with today's profit. I want, I, I, I want the authority someday to see my kids serve the Lord then be faithful enough to steward tonight and pray with them before they go to bed. You've got to steward now because faithfulness today qualifies you for the authority that you want tomorrow. If you want to walk in authority, preach in authority, minister in authority, if you want to do anything with any type of authority, you need to be faithful with stewarding what God has given you right now. God's given you enough right now to steward it. God's given you something right now to be faithful. I know it's not the platform you want. I know it's not what you dreamed of. But God's put something in front of you that if you would be faithful with now, he'll give you authority here. And then you're faithful with that and he'll give you. The problem is we want to put God, we want God's promises on our time wheel. And we will wait as long as we can until we get so frustrated that we can't wait anymore. And then we will build a counterfeit version of what God called us to because we are more concerned that everybody else knows we got there than actually getting there. But I trust God's place. The father said, I trust that with you everything's going to be better. Lusting over what could be will distract you from faithfully stewarding what is. If you want to know if someone trusts God, watch how they steward right now. Right now. Not their dream. I don't want to hear your dreams. I don't want to hear your visions. I don't want to know about the future. I don't care about what platform you want someday and all this. But I just let me just watch you for 24 hours. Let, let me watch you when they tell you to go pick the mop up. Let me watch you when they tell you you got to be behind the scenes for the next 36 months. Let me just watch how you handle the news that your neighbor's going to get it before you. I mean, we see this all through the Bible. Jesus deals with it. Jesus is dealing with it when he goes into the house, and, and you got Mary that's worshiping him, and Martha that's in there frying up some chicken. Martha was so focused about the big thing and so focused about what was next. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about all these things, but few things are even needed or need indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and I will not take it away from her. Stop worrying and start trusting because your tomorrow belongs to God. It belongs to God. Why are you worried about what tomorrow will bring? Tomorrow will take care of itself. God will give you everything you need for tomorrow. Let me just step out here and say this. You have everything you need to steward now. You don't need more oil. You don't need more anointing. Not for now. You're going to need more tomorrow, but you don't need more right now. You don't need more money. You don't need more relationships. You don't need more favor. Everything you need to steward now, you have. I trust the place of God. I trust the place. I trust it. I trust it. See, if I was your enemy, if I was your enemy, if I was the devil and I'm not the devil, no matter what my wife says, 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She'd give me that, that, that not funny look. Um, I already know the looks that I'm going to get in trouble on. I'll definitely get in trouble on that when we get out. But if I was your enemy, I'd worry you to death. I would worry you so much that I would rob your joy from everything you were going through. I would worry you so much that you would spend more time thinking through the worry than you do fellowshipping with God. I would worry you so much that I would make you so lustful for a place that you would be unfaithful with your today. I would worry you so much about not getting God that you wouldn't trust him enough to see walls actually coming down. I would worry you so much that I would cloud your vision. I would fog up your prayer life. I would worry you so much till I I made you jealous of everybody that was around you and cost you every relationship that you have. This is what I would do if I was your enemy. I would worry you so much that rebellion would become easy for you. That's what I would do if I was your enemy. Because today's unfaithfulness disqualifies you to handle tomorrow's promises. If you're unfaithful today, you can't handle the promise tomorrow. So here's some symptoms of not trusting God's destination. You are unfaithful always looking for next, you church and relationship hop often. Mm. Mm. Like, go ahead and let it cut. If it's going to cut, but don't, don't stop it. You church and relationship hop often because you don't trust God's place for you. You look at others and you try to mimic their end goal, but you don't know what they went through. You become jealous and critical of others' success. These are people that do not trust the place because they are poor stewards of now. So fellowship, trust is love. Number two, stewardship, trust his place. Number three and four, I'm going to pull them together because both of these are about maturity. I trust his plan and I trust his hand. I trust his plan and I trust his hand. I'm going to give you these symptoms first because we're just going to go into this thing real quick. And then we're going to do, I'm going to do a deliverance quick altar call for those that want to be healed of worry. And I'm talking about worrying is as a sin. It's a sin to worry. Your Bible says it. If you read your Bible, it'll talk to you. It'll talk, I say it to the church every Sunday. They scream back, it'll talk to you. Because if you read it, it'll talk to you when you don't have a preacher to talk to you. Symptoms of not trusting God's plan in God's hand. Here's some symptoms. Over-controlling. Severe anxiety, spiritually forceful and immature, secret character flaws, and high rebellion. These are people that do not trust God's plan or God's hand. And the Bible says in verse 26, when after crying out and convulsing him terribly, that it came out, the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. This is not my plan, Jesus. I brought them him here because I thought you were going to heal. Have you ever found yourself saying this is not gone like I planned at all? Has anybody over the last couple of years, you've said, look, this is not how I planned it whatsoever. If you would have told me I'd have been in this place, I'd have said, there's no way. This is not how I planned it. This is not how I thought it was going to go. This is not how I thought my children would grow up to be. This is not how I thought my, I didn't think I'd be on the third one by now. I didn't think that I would be in this place by now. This is not how I planned it. Everything looks to be dead. And they literally said, Jesus, the boy is dead. And the father is met with a decision now. Do I leave the dead boy even though it's not the way I think it should be? Or do I pick him up and walk away because this is not how I planned it? 
And I couldn't help but ask myself, how many things have I taken out of Jesus' hands because I didn't trust the process? No, I'm talking about me, preacher me. I'm talking about Pastor Jeremy. I'm talking about, I'm talking about this guy with the microphone that I've had to ask myself how many things that I take out of Jesus' hand because I did not trust his process to see it through. I took him to you and you should have healed him the first time, but he's laying there dead. I didn't trust the process, so I took it out of your hand. I followed you halfway, but I took it out of your hand. And there are some of you in this room, you are in a holding pattern. And you're literally saying, what am I waiting on? What am I waiting on? What am I waiting on? How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait to get to that place, to get that stage, to get that microphone, to get that job, to get that promotion, to get that business? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm supposed to start this kingdom thing. How long do I have to wait? So-and-so got theirs already. Would you hush about so-and-so? Because the more you jealous of so-and-so, the more you're going to have to wait mow and mow. That's just the truth. Jealousy will make you have to wait even longer because jealousy is the proof that you ain't ready. Jealousy is the number one indicator that you ain't ready. So if you're going to be jealous, just go ahead and get you a, a blanket, a bobble, and a pillow because you're going to be sitting in that season for a long time. You got to get healed of coveting your neighbor's destination. You got to get healed of being jealous when somebody else succeeds or else you're going to stay there for a long time. But when you get healed of that, now you're qualified to move forward. Okay, I got to go because I preached all the way to here and I finally got to my, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I said, man, man, preacher, you, 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 you redheaded firecracker, you excited today. I really, 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 and I know that. I know it. I'm super excited. But I really, really, really love being home. Like I really love being home. I love seeing your faces. I've become so thankful of the price that many of you paid for my wife and I to be able to launch out of here and begin this church. And we want to honor you as our family and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for stewarding your now and dealing with my mess for all those years. But Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 is one of my favorite texts in the whole Bible. One of my favorite. He made everything appropriate in his time or his plan. He has set eternity in the heart of man. Eternity is the finished work of God's hand. Eternity. Please catch this. The finished work of God's hand. God's hand. Trust his plan, but eternity is the finished work of God's hand. His time is his plan. Eternity is his hand. It's done okay so watch it's done so you're not waiting on manifestation from God you're waiting on the timing of God you're not waiting on God to create the miracle you're waiting on the timing of God for it to be released this is why your prayer life shifts when you understand sonship because you don't go before the Father asking Him to create something. You trust He's created it. I go before the Father asking Him to release something that has already been done. But watch, hold on before you clap because God's timing is not about Him. God's timing is about you.
God's timing is about you. Because this process that you're in is God making sure he's making you wait so that you can handle the weight of his glory. This is why we go from glory to glory and you're waiting and you say, I've been in a holding pattern. I've been waiting because you can't handle the W-E-I-G-H-T. So you got a W-A-I-T just a little bit longer because this has not been about when God's ready. It's been about when you are mature enough to handle the next level of glory that God wants to bring to you. The reason that you are waiting is because you're not ready yet. If you were ready, your next wouldn't be your next. Your next would be your now. And the reason your next is not your now is because your character can't sustain the weight of what's coming next. We got it all wrong. Character is some kind of immoral thing all the time. No, it's the process of maturity. The Bible says, be ye perfect as Christ is perfect. The word perfect in Greek means the process of maturity. Not that you are perfection, but you are, you are in the process of maturing to become more like him. So my character three years ago was not ready to handle the weight of a new facility. My character three years ago was not ready to handle the church with a thousand people coming every single weekend. My character wasn't ready to handle that. But throughout the weight and through the struggle and through the hard time, my character got prepared to handle the weight of God's glory so this is the time of God but then God's eternal nature influences the thought process of the spiritually mature I function from an eternal perspective please hear me church all the way across this room I'm, I'm, I'm about to let you go I know you got reservations down at the Captain D's I know I know or the Piccadilly. Oh, how many of you wish they'd bring the Piccadilly back? Bless God. I feel the Lord. Chopped beef with steak, macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, and that jiggly jello that sits right there in the line. I function from an eternal perspective. How many of you heard this statement and believe it? I can't, but God can. Right? I can't, but God can. I want to play semantics with you, but I want to push back on that. That statement is not eternal trust. It's not I can't, but God can. Eternal trust is I can because God did. Because God did. God is not coming off of his throne to do. It's done. This is why he's in an eternal place of rest sitting upon a throne with the Lord of the Sabbath sitting at his right side making intercession for you to be able to enter into the eternal nature of God. This is why the Holy Spirit come down to bring back you back to the eternal nature of God that's been put on the inside of your heart. And this is the eternal nature of God is it is a rhythm of rest. And you don't enter into a rhythm of rest unless you fully trust the God that you are resting with. I can because he did. It is finished was an invitation statement on the cross. It was inviting you out of Kronos and into Kairos. This was the invitation of the cross. This is trusting the hand of God is that it is already finished. Kronos is chronological. It, 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 is, it is the actual chronological time that we run by. 
It was an, an ancient Greek god, mythical god called Kronos that would feed off the flesh of people. For those of you that do not know that, chronological. Chronological doesn't hit until after the fall of man. God has never lived and been bound by Kronos. God lives inside of Kairos, which is set, appointed, and eternal time. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he invited you to come out of the bondage of Kronos, come out of worry of time, come out of the anxiety, come out of the depression, come out of the fear, come into the appointed eternal time of God. Not where God's gonna do a thing, but where God's already done a thing. And so what you're waiting on is not God to make it or you to earn it. You're waiting on God to mature you through a place of fellowship and stewardship so you move from God I believe Leave to Lord now help me with my unbelief Lord I trust you I trust you with my children I trust you with my family I trust you with the church it's not my church I didn't die for it them ain't really my kids they were his first it's not even my children I steward them not mine and so what if what if this whole thing about I gotta get mine I gotta get mine I'm gonna work hard every day I'm hustling I mean you just <laughs> but I mean for real for what because your purpose on the earth is to fulfill the assignment of God in the earth you're not here to be happy Although serving the Lord makes you filled with joy, that's not your assignment. Your assignment is to be the glory of God in the earth. You have an assignment on the earth. And when it's all said and done, guess what? You don't live here to go to heaven someday. Revelation 21, you don't even stay in heaven. You come back down to the earth. Why? Because the heavens were meant for the Lord, but the earth was created for the sons of man. So you're going to be back here on this earth. So you got an opportunity that James said is like a vapor to steward this life in such a way that everywhere you go, people see the glory of God. This is why Jesus said, I share my glory with you that I may be one in them as me and you are one together, that they may be my glory down in the earth. And so when you say, Lord, I trust you, you are walking into the airship and the sonship of God by stewarding, by fellowship fellowshipping and by trusting him in everything that you do so here's what we're going to do what time does the service normally end? 1.30? is it 2.30? what is it? somebody tell me something this ain't made for TV edit this out 3 o'clock thank you sir thank you thank you thank you thank you got it that's the case. Let's go back through this again. There's a couple things I wish I'd said that I didn't say. A couple things I wish I didn't say I can just take back. There ain't no preacher that gets off the pulpit and be like, man, I did everything perfect. <laughs> it's like that old time church. We go to church till 3 o'clock and then run to the Piccadilly and then come back. Oh, your mama had a roast on. And you'd, and you'd run and get the roast and you'd come back to church on Sunday night. Then you'd, you know, Monday night was prayer night and Tuesday night was choir rehearsal and Wednesday night was church and, and Thursday night, I don't know, we just come out just to hang out. But here's what I want to do. For real, what is it? Tell me, what is it now? Okay, praise God. Okay. 
So I, I have to fulfill this assignment that if you're in this room and you've been really struggling with a spirit of worry, really worried, and that worry has led you to any of those symptoms, and you have to be real honest with yourself, and we don't have time to like pry this emotionally mess with this altar call. You just kind of have to hear the call of God into this moment. Like if that's you, will you just stand up? If you want deliverance right now from worry, and any of those symptoms match you, I, I mean a real spirit of worry. Calvary Christian Center, this is what this house was built for, was moments like this. Not for good sermons, but moments like this of healing and deliverance. This is what this house was built for. So those of you that stood, I don't want you to look here for another second. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands toward heaven. Because what's about to happen to you, a man cannot do. A man cannot do this for you. But the Lord is calling this house and calling your life into a deeper level of trust. This is very simple. While you're in this moment in the presence of God, listen. I'm going to give you daily actions that activate trust. Fellowship as a son. Spend time with him tomorrow. Steward your now. Leave tomorrow alone. Mature with an eternal mindset. I want you to think God already did it. I'm not going to worry because God already did it. You are the bride of Christ. There's one thing every bride has in common, and that is a womb. Your job is just to nurture the seed God gives you. So let the bride mature as a womb and be the facilitator of God's glory on the earth. In the name of Jesus, I stretch my hands toward this congregation and everyone that's watching online. And if you've been bound by that spirit of worry, it's kept you from even taking steps of faith that you know you should take because you're worried about what tomorrow will bring. You've been trying to strategize everything in the natural. You've been trying to use your past experience to govern your future decisions. I speak wisdom for strategy from the Holy Spirit, but your worry is coming from a lack of fellowship. And the Lord said, I'm gonna deliver you from this worry. Tomorrow morning, you're gonna set a new discipline to get up and read your Bible. A new discipline to get up and worship the Lord. A new discipline tomorrow to get up and put God first. And from that discipline, from that place of stewardship, from that place of fellowship, you're going to begin to steward your now moment. Folks aren't going to be able to get under your skin as bad because you've already spent time with Jesus. Folks aren't going to be able to upset you when you read something they wrote because you're not worried about that because you've spent time with the Lord. You're going to steward these now moments, whatever God's given you, whatever job you're at. If you're at the McDonald's, if you're at the Hilton, if you're at Halifax, if you're at Advent, wherever you are, whether you're in, in, in maintenance or whether you're in upper management or an executive, you be faithful with right now. And God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should repent. He says if you're faithful, he will give you authority. So in the name of Jesus, I speak over this house a deeper level of fellowship.
I speak over this house a greater understanding for stewardship. And in the name of Jesus, I speak an eternal mindset over this house. I call out every devil and demon of worry, fear, and anxiety. And I cast you out of this place in the name of Jesus. We don't have to lay hands on everybody in here for you to get delivered. But I declare in Jesus' name, I renounce every generational curse of worry. I renounce worry related to the workplace. I renounce worry related to generational curses. I renounce the spirit of worry in Jesus' name. Repeat this ever me. Say, Heavenly Father, I declare, I renounce this spirit of worry that has caused me to feel rejected, depressed, and filled with anxiety. And in Jesus' name, worry, leave my life. Leave my vehicle. Leave my home. Leave my children. And in place of worry, I receive the joy of sonship in Jesus' name. And somebody shout amen. 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 Come on, did you get anything out of God's word today? One more time, can we say this together? Just shout as loud as you can. Say, Lord, I trust you in Jesus' name. All right, Pastor Anderson, come on up here. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can visit calvaryfl.com slash give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.